Ruin My Childhood. Thank you for listening to another episode of Ruin My Childhood. We're back. We're back. Second episode back from a long Look hiatus. At us. Um, but really, up ex- with it. really excited to talk about this franchise. This is one I've been wanting to cover since uh, essentially year one. And then I wanted to cover it last year for the 20th anniversary. And then uh, we, we took the year off. So <laughs> last we, year just didn't happen. We missed it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm Mike, Whoops. as always. I'm Kat. And uh, here today, we're going to be talking about Shrek. Well, this evening. This evening. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Doesn't. The evening is part of today. (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to be talking about Shrek. Um, This was a childhood staple. I mean, this one, I remember talking about this in woodshop class in seventh grade. (laughs) Like, this movie was a huge hit. Like, the soundtrack was a hit. My brother was um, really into doing impersonations at this time. So he did a lot of, like, character impersonations from this movie. It felt edgy. It was. So it was like, I remember it being marketed towards like adult and children. Like I remember seeing very more like just edgier trailers for the movie. Yeah, Um, definitely. So yeah, this one's one that I'm really excited about. And I feel like when we get into it, I feel like this is going to be one of those movies that as we start watching, we just start doing the dialogue with it. Like a lot of the movies we've covered in the past, I think I don't really remember it. And then as we start going, I almost know all the words. And I feel like this is going to be one of those movies. Yeah, I've seen this movie a couple dozen times at least. Yeah, this was my little sister and little brother's like favorite movie. And honestly, my my youngest sister was probably a little too young for this, but it was also her favorite movie. So we watched this movie. I remember there was a period of time where we watched it like three times in one day because of my sister. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> But I remember the franchise just being just huge. huge. Like I worked at the movie theater for the second one. And I, I, if I remember correctly, I would say this might be one of those franchises where the sequel was actually better than the original one. Because I watched the sequel during my break and lunch every day. I don't think I remember the sequel at all. It's the one where he turns human. Ew. Yeah, he turns, Shrek turns human in it. It's like a reverse of this one, I think. That sounds terrible. No, I really want to watch it. I want to. I kind of want to watch at least the first two or three. Um, but you know, before we get into it, I, we we got to talk to our our fans. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we got fans, and they're already back telling us what they remember about Shrek. Do you have any? You you want to you want to do the first comment? You got any? Yeah, we've got one from Paul Sarkis who said. As a response to the question, what do you remember about Shrek? Um, He responded, the searing homoerotic tension between ogre and donkey. I don't recall that at all. (laughs) I can't say that I do either. Well, we'll we'll get back to you on that. We're going to watch the movie and we'll report if we saw so many homoerotic tension between Shrek and donkey. Okay, um, Bashbro415, uh, he said, the little wrestling scene at the Lord's Castle. I remember that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a big old brawl. They fight like a dozen dudes. Okay, so that that could be construed as a little bit homoerotic. We'll see. And I think possibly the best response that we've ever had in the history of the show, pretty good, friend of the pod, DJ Ryan Fresh said, I was low-key hooking up with my friend's roommate at the time, and we went to a screening of Shrek. My friend somehow found out, invited herself, and then started asking questions about why we were hanging out without her, mostly because we had very little in common. She figured it out eventually. Aww. Bunch of shrugging emojis. Oh, 
Sad times. Oh, man. Um, cool. Well, let's uh, watch it, and then we'll get back and, and review the movie. Jump into it. Let's go. Hi, princess. It's hot. Yes, get them to shut up. That's the trick. The comedy event of the summer stars Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy, Cameron Diaz, John Lithgow. How about him? There's an arrow in your butt. Oh, would you look at that? Shrek. Oh, what large teeth you have. And do I detect a hint of minty freshness? Rated PG. Starts May 18th everywhere. All right, we're back. Back with a vengeance. We watched Shrek. And before we tell you how we feel about it, we're going to tell you a little bit about the movie and how it was made. All the details. Directed by Andrew Adamson and Vicky Jensen. It was their directorial debut for both of them. What a... What a great way to debut. Right? That's amazing. What have they gone on to do, though? I don't know. I didn't check that. (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) Written by Ted Elliott, uh, who wrote Pirates of the Caribbean films, and Ted Rossio? Rossio? Also of Pirates of the Caribbean fame and Aladdin. Woo! It was based on a book by William Stieg. Came out in 1990. Hmm? The book came out in 1990. Oh, nice. Budget of... 60 million and made 488 million at the box office. You! That sounds pretty darn good. It was one of the biggest openings for an animated film at that time. It was huge. How does it compare to ones that come out now? You know, I've got some information about that further down. (laughs) The record didn't last very long. Oh, that's sad. Uh, It's got a good Rotten Tomatoes score 88% critics and 90% audience. Yeah, that it's is pretty bad. good. And I mean, and that's still 21 years later. May um, 18th, 2001. What yeah. an innocent time. Yeah. That was like such a happy little blip. <laughs> I remember, I remember, so this came out just a couple weeks before Memorial Day. And I remember my sister really wanted to go see it for, because her birthday is in the end of May. So we went and saw this for her birthday. And she would have been, she would have been like seven so Aww. right around the right age for this movie. And uh, yeah, we went and saw this. And yeah, it, it blew up because, you know, it, it had good word of mouth. And then it had the holiday weekend right after, which just really pushed it. But um, the production of this, you know, is a little interesting. So the book came out in 1990. Steven Spielberg loved the book and actually bought the rights in 1991. And he was wow. originally going to make the movie with Amblin Entertainment. And it was going to be a traditional 2D animated film. And it was going to star, uh, once again, Bill Murray uh, as yeah. Shrek. And then it would have had Steve Martin as Donkey. Um, but at the time, um, one of the producers, John Williams, um, convinced them to move the project to the new DreamWorks. And I've got some information about DreamWorks down the road. There's some controversy about it. But um, he convinced them to bring the project to DreamWorks, um, that, which was founded by Jeff, um, Jeffrey Katzenberg. And uh, they began developing it immediately in 1995. Um, They were originally going to make this as a mix of live action, CG, miniatures, and just kind of have it be like a multimedia thing, but it didn't look very good. So they decided to do it as uh, 100% CGI. Um, There was a little bit of tension in the development. So it was originally going to be directed by Adam Adamson, which you already mentioned, and Kelly Ashbury. There's Adam R&R and And Adamson really wanted to make this movie be for adults just as much as it is kids. And we started to see that with Disney movies. You know, Robin Williams being the genie had, you know, a few jokes. But 
I mean, the Disney movies were still very much for kids and might have one or two throwaway jokes for the adults. Yeah. But Adamson really wanted to make a movie that appealed to adults just as much as kids. Um, and Katzenberg agreed, but he didn't like the idea that Adamson wanted to use Guns N' Roses and in the theme, and it, he thought it was a little too sexual. So they clashed, and the movie kind of got delayed. So the yes. co-director, Ashbury, ended up having to move on to the spirit stallion of the Cimarron movie and was replaced by the uh, art director. Vicky Jensen and what they ended up doing is they essentially split the movie in half because this was one of the most complicated movies ever made at the time because it, they really made a point of having realistic motion for fabrics and hair and fur and everything and this movie had 36 individual locations for an animated Dang. cartoon which was the most of at any given time but essentially what they did is they made 31 mini movies that combined to make this giant movie so they split the uh, movie in half and one director directed half the movie one director directed the other half so that way the workers could go to one person for very specific details Holy so crap. this can you was... imagine the production meetings you'd have to have ahead of time so because Oof. this was such a arduous film like it you know this was one of the first movies that dreamworks started producing and it took so long like they started in 1995 and then it didn't go come out until 2001 what ended up happening is people would get pulled off of projects like prince of egypt and and spirit and then they would get pulled to do animation for shrek and it was actually looked at as almost like a punishment it was called the gulag oh uh, and people were getting shrek um so it was actually something Shrek'd. that people really didn't enjoy doing but it resulted in one of the greatest animated comedies of all time. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. And it, like, I mean, it paid off, obviously, for DreamWorks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've got some more information about how it paid off oh. in just a bit. Oh. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the casting? All right. So when uh, Steven Spielberg was producing, Bill Murray would have played Shrek and Donkey would have been played by Steve Martin, which, you know, I don't, I don't hate it despite the fact that I hate Bill Murray, so that's saying something. Um, Chris Farley was originally cast as the voice of Shrek, um, recording nearly all of the required dialogue, and then when he died in 1997, before the film was finished, Mike Myers was hired to replace him. Mike Myers, of course, insisted that he needed to start from scratch, and a new script was written with his input. He initially voiced it with his Canadian accent, and then decided that Shrek should have a Scottish accent, which... That, that's not really explained anywhere in the film, is it? <laughs> like nobody, nobody has consistent accents in this at all. And apparently, um, re-recording all of Shrek's lines with the new accent cost a disputed four million. Yeah, the disputed was the director claims that it cost another four million. Mike Meyer said it didn't cost it very much because he didn't raise his fee, so he did another full ten sessions, and his original fee was for ten sessions. But I don't think he's recognizing how expensive the animation was at the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nick Cage was also offered the role but turned it down because he didn't want kids to associate with him. Didn't want kids to associate him with an ogre. <laughs> All right. Janine Garofalo was originally cast as Fiona but was fired for unknown reasons. Even she doesn't know because no one told her why. <laughs> Apparently. Supposedly. Um, and the cast did not record their lines together. John Lithgow loved the role of Farquaad, but, but he regretted not meeting the cast until the premiere. Yep. So obviously this movie has a huge legacy. It spawned three sequels in the theater and various holiday specials that came on to broadcast TV. But this was basically created because um, Katzenberg was forced to resign. So he was actually the chairman at Disney while Michael Eisner was the CEO. 
and which is crazy we've watched a bunch of like making of disney documentaries on disney plus and you see pictures of them together but they they hated each other going as so far as you know and this is not a term that we normally use but it's a quote um michael eisner said i think i hate that little midget about katzenberg um so eventually katzenberg was forced to resign and then he founded dreamworks which is disney's biggest competitor and was for the longest time now there's an illumination and whatnot but um he went on to make shrek and he vo- he based lord farquaad which is not in the book like lord farquaad is a made-up character for the movie and he based it off michael eisner he looks a lot like michael eisner oh boy but because he took that midget term very seriously he made this character super small and just made him a terrible person and lord farquaad farquaad kind of sounds like a word that we don't say on this podcast but I'm going to say it and censor it, but f- blood. <laughs> and then like the animosity continued. So Shrek actually um, came out on DVD the same day that Monsters Inc. came out in theaters. Now, Ooh. traditionally, movies come out on Fridays. DVD and VHS come out on Tuesdays. Yeah. So Disney accused DreamWorks of trying to sabotage Monsters Inc. And Katzenberg said, no, 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 no. This is such a big movie. It was such a big deal. We're trying to make a big event for it. And we, he thought that that was going to be the norm that movie studios did going mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. Likely story. Mm-hmm. Now, he sounds like a kind of a prick. They're both pricks. <laughs> they both won, though. So uh, Monsters, Inc. went on to do about $65 million that, that opening weekend and uh, was the biggest opening weekend for an animated movie of all time. Sorry, I said 65 was $62 million. So it shattered the record. But Shrek on that same week and made a hundred million dollars selling 5.5 million copies of dvd and vhs wow and then by the january 2002 once again this was november by january just two months later they had sold over 23 million copies on home release of dvd and vhs so um yeah definitely a rivalry between dreamworks and disney and definitely a rivalry um that persisted for a while but shrek you know did some really big money, big moves. Like, think about it, $460 million or whatever it was we said the box office, and then another $100 million in two months of DVD sales. That and is insane. There's been another 20 years of DVD sales, plus sequels, plus merchandise, plus streaming rights. Like, the movie's on Netflix right now. Like, this movie has made DreamWorks probably a billion dollars by now. What are the odds of that, though? Because, like, you know, that was 90... 90- like it was being written, you know, yeah. at the height of Tipper Gore's kind of attack on free speech, I guess. Yeah. There's a there's a lot more cursing in this than you would expect from a family film of that time and for it to have done so well is really amazing. Yeah, I mean, it starts with Shrek taking a dump in an outhouse and reading the story of Princess Fiona, you know, a princess trapped in a high, the tallest tower of the tallest castle in a volcano guarded there by a dragon. There are a lot of fart jokes. There's a ton of fart jokes. <laughs> and then he's just like, ah, that's nonsense. And then rips the page and wipes his butt with, <laughs> with the fairy tale. Like, that's the start of the movie. Uh, yeah. the Actually, the profanity in this film, uh, damn comes up six times, four times in a song, ass three times, uh, Crap once, hell once, and I guess in one part Shrek calls donkey a stubborn jackass. But he's a donkey. (laughs) Every time they say ass and jackass, he's referring to donkey. (laughs) So it's not a swear. But then there are also the the suggested ones, like when they first get to Duloc and 
We've got the little animatronic display that sings. Shine your shoes, wipe your face. face. <laughs> <laughs> but we know it's ass. Yeah. Well, speaking of Duloc, like the other thing, that's another thing. Um, they actually had to have this movie screened by the legal team multiple times because they were convinced that Disney was going to sue them for the Michael Eisner uh, resemblance and also the fact Holy that the, that song, the Duloc is, Duloc uh-huh. is, is so like reminiscent of It's a Small World. And, you know, it's a castle that's built like a theme park and everything. So they were convinced that Disney was going to sue them over Duloc. But on what grounds? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they had they hated each other. If anyone could do it, it would be Disney, though. Yeah. Disney in the 90s. I'm scared 90s, of their lawyers. Yeah, man. Please don't sue us, Disney. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie just starts with a banger song. No oh, God. Smash Mouth. All, like that movie, <laughs> that song is in everything. That wasn't originally going to be in it. It was a placeholder, but it did so well with test audiences that they kept it in. And then get let Smash Mouth record a cover of um, I'm a Believer for the closing credits. God. So that was just, you know, a, a placeholder, kind of like uh, the uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. You know, sometimes Smash Mouth the... was everywhere. So Smash Mouth, I don't remember who it is, but the lead singer got fired because he was drunk and was doing like Nazi salutes on the stage not too long ago. Yikes. And he was replaced by like somebody who did was a lead singer of a cover band for another band that's still not like really relevant today. Awesome. Uh, now that being said, like Smash Mouth hasn't been big for a while. They played at a high school in our in my hometown like 10, 15 years ago. So. I can proudly say that I have always disliked Smash Mouth. Eh. I was that kid. You might as well be walking on the sun. <laughs> it's just all so bad. It's a dark spot in my childhood. Yeah. Smash Mouth. <laughs> It really just like it's rapid fire jokes the whole like first 15 minutes of the film and it's it's spoken jokes it's visual jokes there are so many things like one beat right after the other that go full bore yeah while you're getting introduced to this disgusting ogre character. Yeah, well, then also we see all the fairy tale characters that we're familiar with and, you know, this strange version of all of them. And that's, you know, another knock against Disney was just like the ruler of the fairy tales. You know, the whole thing was very anti-Disney, this whole movie. So do you want to do like a a, a little? Yeah, a little summary. Summary. Yeah, let's do a summary for those who (laughs) haven't seen Shrek and are listening to this podcast. You say let's, but I think you should do a summary. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So Shrek is a lonely person. He's kind of. He's got a like got a kind of chip on his shoulder because he's big and ugly and nobody likes him and everyone's afraid of him. So he lives in a swamp all by himself. And Lord Farquaad, for whatever reason, hates fairy tale creatures. So he's actually paying his citizens rewards to bring him fairy tale creatures, who he later, not unlike Mayor Ed Lee in San Francisco, moving the homeless people oh, to geez. the mission, but he moves all the fairy tale creatures to Shrek's swamp. I already said Shrek was solitary. He wasn't okay with this. (laughs) So he and Donkey, who he doesn't really like because he's annoying, but Donkey's the only one who knows how to get to Duloc for some reason. I mean, he just met him. Yeah. But they go to Duloc to try to convince Lord Farquaad to get the fairy tale creatures out of his swamp. Um, Immediately, Lord Farquaad's soldiers um, all attack him and Shrek and Donkey easily dispatch like a dozen soldiers. So Lord Farquaad's like, hey, bud, I'll make you a deal. You go rescue Princess Fiona because I want to bang her and marry her because that's the only way I'm going to become a king. So you go rens- rescue Princess Fiona and then I'll give you your swamp back. And then Princess Fiona and Shrek, they fall in love Aww. and they live happily ever after. And there's a twist. Oh. 
Fiona is a Shrek at night. She turns into like a female ogre at night. Got it. Yep. <laughs> what a twist. Spoilers. What a twist. Oh, man. You know, like this film is so a part of our childhood that it honestly just feels like you don't really pay that much attention to it until you're reminiscing on how much it impacted your childhood. Yeah, I mean, I was in it right away. Like, I liked the first interaction he has with, like, the mob people. And they're, like, telling scary stories, like, oh, they grind your bones into bread. And he's like, actually, that's giants. We're way worse. We make, you know, soup out of your skin. We skin your liver, jelly out of your eyes. And then he pauses. It's actually quite good on toast. Um, so, like, I thought that just opening line with Shrek was pretty funny. How great was Eddie Murphy in this film? Ugh, iconic. He's so good. Like I hate how much I like him. Yeah, after what he did to Scary Spice, you don't want to like him. Oh, but... that's so rough. <laughs> but this movie, he's so good. Like the most quotable part of this movie was him. Like the, and in the morning I'm making waffles. This was like the peak of his fame. So they actually created and he was nominated for like a, a BAFTA for this, and it's like the first time they basically what it was like historic. Like they made an award for him for this that's rad yeah like it's never happened before that an animated person character got anything from any recognition from the british because they're snobs so they created a new category i think so did it stick around after i don't know oh no i need to know yeah i'll have to look it up but this did win the first animated academy award like best animated film it beat out monsters inc wow yeah so that's rough yeah uh, but yeah, he's so good. And then like the weird, I, f- I forgot about the dragon thing that he bangs a dragon. <laughs> know, How, How does, does that, that work? I don't understand. Does he climb in and then <laughs> no. self-manipulate Stop. while inside? That's awful. I don't know, man. You know, one thing that did disappoint me. Hmm. So one of the few impressions that I thought I could do really well was the uh, German pigs. Uh, he huffed and he puffed and he signed an eviction Why notice. Why would you think that you could do that well? I've been told that I'd do it well. And then I heard it. And I'm like, one, my pacing and my timing is completely I've been wrong. telling you for 13 years. That's <laughs> awful. No. You just don't believe me. Uh, what about the gingerbread man? Well, now you believe me. <laughs> What's that segue? <laughs> what to- the f- I was trying to change the subject from you being mean. <laughs> the gingerbread man. So not only did we have Mike Myers at the peak of his fame and yep. commercial success, we also had Eddie Murphy. I guess this was like the tail end of his That's his correct. peak. And Cameron Diaz. At her peak. At her peak. This was like right after. How expensive was she? Um. So I, I think... She got, I don't know what she got paid for this one. I don't know why I know this off the top of my head, but I think she got like 18 million. No, she got 10 million for 18 hours worth of work for Shrek 2. That's right. Wasn't it like two or three days? It was 18 hours total recording. She got like $10 million. That's amazing. Good for her. Good for her. This movie made a ton of money. Absolutely. It wouldn't have been the same without her. I think she was perfect. I can't imagine Janine Garofalo. (laughs) No, not. No, not for a princess. Like it would have been a completely different character. What I, what's funny is I don't. I, I actually tried to find pictures of this because um, I remember reading about something that like her design changed because she was too sexy and too realistic. So it was like it hit like uncanny valley, and then also it was like they like made her proportions were like too sexy. So they had to like, hey guys. So it made everyone in the test audience feel dirty. Yeah. So they, they scaled it back a little <laughs> bit, but she, I mean, princess Fiona is such a great character. Like her arc 
is fantastic. I love her arc. <laughs> and the, the fact that she, what's funny is like this movie, because it had such a long um, development time, and because Mike Myers insisted on going back and re-recording things, they were able to add things. So we, we did the Matrix, you know, year one or two of the podcast um, and talked about how often the Matrix popped up. This movie was in development before the Matrix was even an idea and had a Matrix re- oh <laughs> reference God. in it because she does the, the slow motion freeze in the air kick. That is such a long slog. Yeah. So, wait, how many months was it that they were animating this? So they started in 95. With the animation? Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. That's horrifying. Yeah, so six years. I can't imagine working on a project that long. Yeah. And then not even really being sure if it's going to be successful or if it's going to tank your entire company. Yeah. I mean, it was a huge, huge gamble and it really paid off. And now I understand, you know, seeing how much money this actually made, I understand why they made so many sequels because I genuinely think based off my memories, that the second Shrek is a better movie. And I actually really want to watch the second one. Um, I remember the third one not being so good with Justin Timberlake. But then I remember the fourth one was better. But I've only seen the third and the fourth one once. I've seen the first two easily a dozen times each. I had no idea that the third and the fourth ones existed. Yeah, so there was Shrek the third and then like Shrek Ever After or something like that was the fourth one. Um, I mean, I don't really know what to talk about with this movie. Like it's... It's a fun movie. We, you know, we kind of talked about the shine your shoes, wipe your face. The um... I think there are a lot of things that I completely missed as a kid. Oh, really? Yeah, this is definitely, and and that was part of the appeal of it. Like as kids, I think we probably got like ninety percent of the jokes. Yeah, but there are things that we didn't realize that we didn't get back then. Yeah, well, like there are so many references. Like the the reason Lord Farquaad is going after Fiona is he ha- he talks to the magic mirror, and the magic mirror is like, "Well, you're not a king, but you can be if you marry Prince." And there's like a dating game kind of reference in each. <laughs> He, there's a subtle like diss on each of the you know one was Cinderella one was Snow White and you're like oh yeah Snow White lives with seven men but she's not easy oh, kind of stuff God. like that like there's you know some pretty risque jokes on all that there were and uh, like I actually really like, one of my favorite jokes in that in the movie is actually in that scene with like the executioner guy. And he's trying to pick, you know, which one am I going to pick? One, two, or three? Famous three. And the executor's like, pick three, my lord. Pick three. And he's holding up two fingers. It's so good. There, and like random little things like um, blue flower, red thorns. That'd be so much easier if I wasn't colorblind. Yeah. <laughs> and he just grabs one. So, or the balloon animals. Yeah. Like they straight up make living creatures into a balloon. balloon a animals. frog and a snake. And Shrek burps gases into them so they float. So as... Your last name, Sherwood, we know this. Do you? Yeah. You are a, so you've got to have some sort of expertise on Robin Hood. Why is Robin (laughs) Hood French in this? Listen, no one can agree on where Robin Hood came from or how long he's been around or if he was based off of some real people. I think with Robin Hood, it's best to just not ask too many questions. Otherwise, you'll only but be he's disappointed. Traditionally English. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so the Robin Hood scene's funny because he like assumes that Fiona's being held against his will or her will, and he like swings and abducts her. And then she, this is where we find out she's a badass, and she whoops on Robin Hood and all the merry men. But like 
like Robin Hood singing a song. He's like, I take a wee percentage, but I'm not greedy. And then it's like, grab a lady by the toes. That's bad. That's bad. That's really <laughs> like the song's really funny, but a little dirty. But then like he like does his final sing where he like holds a note for a long time. And Fiona like flying kicks him in the head and he, he like hits his neck on a rock like million dollar baby style. <laughs> like, how did she not kill this guy? I don't understand. But who taught her all this in the first place? Like, has she just been practicing while she's up there in the tower, making sure she stays fresh? Yeah, yes. So this is where my notes end, because I got really into the movie at this point, because this is when, like, you start getting all, like, Donkey and Shrek and Fiona start becoming friends, and they start understanding each other and everything. So my last note was, there's an arrow in your butt, and then my question mark does Shrek skip leg day? Because he's huge. And he's got really <laughs> tiny legs for his body. The physics of the whole thing don't really work that well, especially when we consider that like Shrek and Fiona, he's in ogre form, she's in human form. He's like easily eight times her size. Easily. How did that that's gotta be dangerous? It's it's like a rottweiler going with the Chihuahua. Oh. Oh. Poor girl. <laughs> <laughs> So we eventually find out that Fiona turns into a, uh, she has a magic spell on her. So she turns into an ogre looking thing. They never explicitly say she's an ogre, but she looks like a female ogre. Right. Um, and there's a misunderstanding. Um, Donkey finds out and Donkey's trying to convince her like, dude, obviously you like Shrek and like Shrek likes you. Like maybe you guys should be together. You're kind of like an ogre. <laughs> um, but sh- she's like, nah, I'm ugly, blah, 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 blah. And Shrek hears that part. And so he gets mistaken and thinks that she doesn't love him. So he gets Lord Farquaad. Donkey finally tells her what's going on and he goes and rescues her. Um, And that's basically the end of the movie. But it's it's a good movie. It's (laughs) it's hard to explain. But, you know, it's similar to when we... Um, what was the last Mike Myers one we watched? We did the Austin Powers movies. The and we've Austin also Powers done scary movies movie. are the same. Like you can have an incredible time watching this film and get to the end and have people ask you what it's about and be like, "Yeah, I have, I have it's, no idea." It's like you said at the beginning. It's, it's like rapid there's fire. Jo- there's like twelve jokes a minute. Yeah. So it's really hard to t- like. There's so many good one liners in it, and like. And the, the timing diff- is amazing. The timing is fantastic, which is incredible because none of them work together. Yeah. Like, they did it all on their own. So, like, the fact that they edit it and the timing is like that, that's just incredible that they were able to get this. And it sounds like there's, you know, charisma that these teams get, like, uh, chemistry. Like, it sounds mm-hmm. like there's chemistry that isn't there. Yeah. They did an incredible, incredible job. <laughs> yeah. Um, I but- couldn't even comprehend how much dialogue they had to tackle and make it sound perfectly layered like that, like yeah, interacting. They did a really good job. And then, like, you pointed out while we were watching it that this movie looks just as good as a lot of animated films that come out today. Mm-hmm. And it really does. Like, this does, like, there's, you know, there are a few moments where the motion rate's a little off. Like, there's a little bit of a judder when something moves really quickly across the screen. But, like, it's held up incredibly well. It's held up very well. Like, Donkey's fur really moved a lot. Like, I think Donkey's fur, like, they made a big deal about Soli and Monsters Inc.'s fur. I think Donkeys looks just as good. Now, granted, this is a little bit more stylized and goofy looking, but it looks really good. And like, I've watched, you know, animated movies that are newer than this that don't look as good or look goofy. Like, they put a lot of time and money into this movie. And it's still, you know, I I think this is obviously answering the question that we always always (laughs) answer at the end. Does, you know, did this ruin your childhood? No, like this movie still holds up. 
Yeah. Like, I was mouthing most of the dialogue. Like, once we got past the first 15 minutes and I, like, like got acclimated to it and I knew it, like, I was able to say almost this entire movie verbatim. I will be on my deathbed reciting the Muffin Man bit. The Muffin Man. <laughs> the Muffin Man. Well, <laughs> she's married to the Muffin Man. <laughs> well, like, that'll do pig. Isn't that? No, granted, they took that from... Um, uh, babe, but there's a couple things in this movie that I quote all the time that I didn't realize were from this. Yep, I'm really upset because I can't think of any of them right I now. But there was like three times we were watching this. I'm like, I literally say this to Katrina every day. <laughs> it's from this. Like that's insane. I think the most horrifying part of it is that it really doesn't feel like it's been. Over 20 years. I expected, so like, for whatever reason, I felt this was just going to be like a Jim Carrey movie or like where I'm trying to think of something like a lot, a lot of, of the jokes don't really hold up because they're a little bit sexist or, or a little or, or bit I homophobic, thought, but I there rem- wasn't any of that. In this. I just thought because I remembered the Matrix thing going in. I knew the Matrix thing was coming. So I thought this was going to be like a lot of comedies that have a lot like Deadpool, for example. As much as I love Deadpool, 20 years from now, Deadpool might not hold up, not just not because it's not a well-made movie, but because there were so many pop culture references mm-hmm. in it that it's going to be dated. I thought that was going to be like this, but the pop culture references were few and far between. They more, just more sweetened like, it. <laughs> but they were more like generic like commentary on fairy tales and everything. Right. So that's going to be, fairy tales are timeless, so your critiques and commentary on them are going to be timeless as well. Mm-hmm. Like really, The Matrix was... And Babe were like the really the only pop culture references in the movie. And it's just amazing to me how well it holds up. Because if you told me that this came out, you know, five years ago, I really wouldn't know the difference if I wasn't familiar with the film. And what I love about that is it it didn't rely on a lot of the shock kind of value that some of the other films ended up implementing in trying to do the same thing and appealing to an adult audience. So a lot of things you revisit them and you're like, oh, it was so funny, except for the homophobia or yeah. except for the racism. And like this, I can't really think of anywhere no. anything like that caught my attention as being kind of like a, an old and moldy side no. effect of well, the age of the I, film. What I also liked about this movie was they did um, so much of the, uh, there's a long period towards the middle end of the movie when they're on their journey back to Duloc where there's not a lot of dialogue. It's just, you know, a really kick-ass soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And it's just showing them, like, a getting to know montage. Each- yeah, just a little <laughs> montage. But there's a point where, you know, um, you know, she cleans his wound from the arrow. And, like, he, like, bends down trees and stuff so she can get through. So it's all these little, like, sweet things that they're doing. And then there's a little bit where they start to flirt before they even realize they're flirting, where they kind of, like, shove each other. And <laughs> he's so much stronger than her. And so he shoves her a little harder and she goes you know a few feet and then she shoves him really hard and then he just like one hand shoves her and she goes <laughs> off the trail and it's like it's these little cute little moments that like surprisingly you know you have these big talented people and some of the most endearing parts of this movie like they're not even talking <laughs> right uh, but it's just yeah like you said like all of them nailed their roles um john lithgow as Lar- lord farquaad was fantastic i always forget that it's him yeah yeah, oh, he but did he such did a good such job. A, I mean, it's John Lithgow. Has he never? Has he ever done something that wasn't great? Absolutely not. No, John Lithgow's great. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it goes without saying. I really enjoyed this movie. I legitimately want to watch the other one. I actually wanted to watch the other one, the second one, um, right after watching this, and but I didn't want to taint the recording <laughs> right. uh, and have you either of us forget details like 
you know, put details from the second movie in the first movie. Right. So um, No, it's really it's endearing how much it's held up and that something that was considered a little bit more risque and edgy at the time it came out, not only did so well despite that, but has also held up and been really unproblematic compared yeah. to so many things that we revisit from our childhood. I mean we'll see like I, I really do want to watch the second one. Um, I think it's worth a watch. Yeah, so we'll see. I feel like maybe as they go further along, they might take bigger swings that might like I feel like pl- certain plots element in the second one, not remembering any specific details could be problematic. But uh, we're not going to cover that on the podcast because that came out in two thousand four, and that's past our cutoff. Oh, you bastards! Oh, teens. Yep. Um. But yeah, I mean, with that being said, I guess we both agree: childhood not ruined. Not at all. Childhood validated. 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 I'd Lots watch it again right now. It was pretty good. It was yeah, really good. It was good. Uh, where can our listeners find you if they wanted to? Ugh, I'm all over the internet at Katrina Ossity. Yeah, you is. Woo. And you guys can check out everything that's MDX Pods related at MDXPods.com, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at MDX Pods. If you want to support the show, you can go to Patreon.com slash MDX Pods and get early access to these episodes, bonus content, um, early access to Remake Rewind. And um, oh, also check us out on YouTube. I always forget to plug YouTube, oh, but we yeah. are on YouTube. Uh, just check, you know, search "Ruin My Childhood" will pop up. But uh, we do need, you know, some more subscribers there. So you know, check out the <laughs> YouTube. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. <laughs>